Hello and welcome to the Valor Christian Academy Bible Study. This unit, we will be working through VCA's tagline, Standing Firm in Truth, Stepping Forward in Faith. Each week, we will work through the biblical implications of each word before moving back to see how the statement envisions a cohesive whole that helps to give a motivation to the heart behind the school. This week, we will be looking at Stand. Let's dive in. I love the last stand moments in TV shows or in movies, and I can think of no film that does it better than the Lord of the Rings series. When I think about all those moments in the Lord of the Rings, one particular moment comes to mind. And spoiler alert for those who haven't seen an 18-year-old movie yet or read a 66-year-old book, but at the end of the second installment in the series, The Two Towers, several of the heroes have spent an exhausting night fighting back against an onslaught of orcs. Hope seems lost, and several of the main characters decide they will ride out and face the foes one final time. They ride out into the night, and the tone of the film matches the darkness of the night around them. But as all hope truly seems lost, the characters remember the promise of Gandalf to return on the morning of the fifth day. Standing before the massive orc army, and vastly outnumbered, the heroes stand and their stand is met with a fulfilled promise. Gandalf arrives, and soon enough, the day is won. It's all so wonderfully cheesy. It's Hollywood at its very best. The music swells. Gandalf rides in on a white horse. The sun rises behind the heroes and blinds the villain, and the heroes all acknowledge they've been saved. And I love every moment of it. Those moments of anticipation, of patient hope made reality are some of the very best stories in human history, and it should come as no surprise that scripture is full of those very stories. Today, I want to hone in on one particular story from the Bible, 1 Kings 19, 9-13. Before we dive into the story, I want to establish some context of the events that led up to it. The prophet Elijah has just come down from Mount Carmel, where he was victorious against the prophets of Baal. He and the prophets were both tasked with having their sacrifice accepted by their God to prove who was the one true God. Obviously, God responded to this moment with an emphatic declaration of his supremacy over Baal, the false god. After the prophets of Baal are executed, Jezebel, the wife of King Ahab, promises to kill Elijah for his part in the prophet's execution. Elijah, fearful for his life, flees into the wilderness. After a conversation with an angel, Elijah is told to go to Mount Horeb, which is another name for Mount Sinai, and told that God will meet him there. After spending a night in a cave, God begins to speak to Elijah, beginning in 1 Kings 19, 9-13. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah was a good prophet, which meant he would have been acutely aware of Israel's history, especially its history on Mount Sinai. It was here, hundreds of years ago, that Moses received the covenant that Elijah has now witnessed the Israelites break over and over again. And it was here that Moses asked to see God, and God passed by, allowing Moses to see God from the back. The mix of dread and excitement Elijah would have felt in this moment must have been overwhelming. Elijah would have known that Moses was unique in how he experienced God, and would not have been out of the realm of possibilities for this encounter with God to be the thing that killed Elijah, especially since he already seemed so willing to die. But Elijah does not die. He witnesses a chaotic swarm of miraculous forces that shatter the mountains, and as chaos rains down, Elijah finds himself standing before God in the midst of stillness. It is here that I want to draw out a few things about God's invitation for Elijah to stand before him and what I think it means for us. First of all, God's invitation to Elijah and to us comes because of God's character, not ours. Elijah is experiencing a crisis of faith. This crisis was always shocking to me because it came within hours of experiencing a move of God so undeniably potent that the people of Israel were, at least temporarily, woken up to the many errors of their ways. God does not scold Elijah for his doubts. God unpacks a plan for what Elijah needs to do next. Continuing in 1 Kings 19, verse 15, The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elijah, son of Shaphat, from Abel Manoah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the word of Jehu. Yet I reserve seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not yet kissed him. It is through this moment that I want to draw out a few points about what it looks like to stand. The stand is an opportunity to encounter God. In the parable of the prodigal son, the father sprints down the road when he sees his son coming over the horizon. God comes to us. The father wraps his arms around the son and welcomes him home. The son didn't need to take another step. The father came running to him. In the same way, the father eagerly comes running to us, eager to wrap us up in his loving embrace and welcome us home. The stand is an opportunity to let God defend us from the chaos of life. When I lived in Kansas, I experienced my fair share of tornadoes. The sheer force of nature was always terrifying. I would imagine Elijah experienced the same thing cranked up to a hundred. These winds broke rocks apart, yet Elijah stood there confident. God called him to this spot, and Elijah knew that God would not have led him here if this is not exactly where God intended him to be. The storm does not bother Elijah. He stands in eager anticipation of God to move. 
The stand is a call for us to do the same thing. Finally, the stand is a chance for us to show God that we are trusting what he plans to do next. Elijah had a plan, and it was a terrible one. A resigned acceptance that he was doomed to die was the best that he could come up with. As he stood at the mouth of the cave, God explained that he had something different, something better in store for his prophet. How often do we get caught up in the relentless hustle of daily life? How often do we collapse, exhausted at God's feet? And how often in those moments does God say, This was never how I wanted this to go. You've done enough. Let me take care of everything else. Elijah's stand was not a surrender. It was a moment to say that he was going to let God come to him and go before him in all the awesome power that would come with it. Will you do the same?